Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And we are excited about season three. Lisa, what does everybody have to look forward to this season? Well, you know what? It's a season filled of experts, uh, uh, but really it's experts around the realm of both experts as people with disabilities, as well as experts as people who are in our field. So super excited because no offense, but they won't have to listen to just you and me the whole entire time. <laughs> well, I think everybody's probably ready for some other stories. So I, I personally, no offense, am looking forward to it myself. Myself, Lisa. Um, some, some of the things that I'm really looking forward to this season um, is actually hearing, I guess, from perspectives in our field that we don't always have access to. So, you know, those of us who teach courses and stuff, we will we'll read case studies and things like that, but it sometimes feels a little bit dry when you can't when you can't get more or get the backstory. So I'm looking forward to some of our guests who I think will be able to share a lot of insight, you know, as you said, through through lived experiences, maybe a lens that that we don't usually have access to. Yeah, and you know, I, I keep keeping in the perspective. It's very funny because I honestly sent these folks, you know, emails on Labor Day, I'm just going to tell you. And within 24 hours, most of them were like, yes, I'm excited to share my story. And I, I think it's a... Um, Reminder that we're, I always say, you know, the, the disability fight has been a civil rights fight, but I also think it's a time of comfort and voice. And I really applaud these people for not only sharing their story, but sharing it on a podcast that could be, you know, heard. We now know we have like six continents listening to some of these podcasts. And so I think it's exciting. And I love the fact that they're all excited to share practical advice. And I think that's the point. But, you know, Becky, the thing that struck me the most is three different people have said to me, well, I only have a disability. I'm not an expert. And I always kind of respond back. But wait a minute, just because I have a degree in disability doesn't mean I am an expert in anything. And so I think it's time that just like, you know, we've seen, you know, women's rights and women's voices and cultural diversity voices. I think it's time for the disability voices. But I really do applaud these people to be experts in who they are as humans. And, and I think that's the part that's really it got me excited this season and just so our listeners know of course we will ask specific questions to help guide us as educators and as parents you know how did you um you know how did you navigate through this piece and what happened in school that helped you to be successful or not successful and i think as you said these are going to be really practical things because they are things that people actually experience i'm also really interested just to hear what didn't work because we push a lot of instructional strategies and we assume that they work and um you know we look through the literature but i think there's a lot of validity when it's coming from somebody who's actually had to live in a world um and use the kind of things that we try that we try to teach our students and we try to share with parents well and then the other part of this season too is equally exciting as we truly just have people that are experts uh experts in topics so we try to kind of balance this season with experts from the personal lens but experts in the field like you and i that really aren't experts in my opinion but we do know something from the work and schools and and what we have seen and yet i think also those folks will add really practical advice for both parents and teachers as to what is the literature on writing or helping kids communicate or helping with uh, areas of mobility and i think we've got a really neat group of 
colleagues, many of them here, faculty members at UCF, lined up to share some, some advice. And so, Becky, I think we can't wrap up anything ever in a podcast without some practical advice. So we know, I don't know what you're hearing, but you know, I'm hearing we started school and we've closed school, or we're not starting for six weeks, or we're not starting for 12 weeks, or we're starting right away and it doesn't matter. I mean, we're hearing such a mixture. And uh, I wondered why I have a piece of advice, but I'm going to start with you. What is your one piece of advice as people start this unique school year um, for not just getting started, but for specifically the thing that this podcast is about for our students with disabilities? Because we know that online, they're not necessarily getting everything they need. Uh, what's our advice to teachers and parents as we start this? this okay, year? well, I really hate to be so, so much of a broken record on this, but when it comes to getting um, a child to sit in front of a computer all day and to at least pretend to be engaged, um, I will have to say principles of behavior management. The thing that matters most is to remember this, the age of the student and the uh, cognitive ability level of the student, sometimes the social emotional ability level of the student, those things determine how often you need to reinforce the behavior that you want. So if you have a small child and if you're a parent and your child is working online and you're trying to get that, that child to stay engaged, you probably, during just a, a, a 45 minute class that the child's supposed to be sitting there, you should be walking by and placing a goldfish or whatever the tangible reinforcer you might use, you know, every five minutes, not if you do this for 45 minutes, you're going to get this for the reward. So that idea of ongoing reinforcement to get the behavior that you desire. And look, I'm not a behaviorist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm really not. However, if you remember that for, for lower functioning kids or kids who are younger, um, if they respond to tangible reinforcers, I'll, I'll tell you, that's, that's what I probably would have used as a parent. I, I, I would set a timer on my phone to vibrate every five minutes, 10 minutes, and walk by and do something reinforcing, even if it's a pat on the back and a smile. So teachers aren't there to give the reinforcement, so they need to be thinking about that online, too, to either call out names very frequently as reinforcement for those kids online. So I'm going to piggyback on the reinforcement piece, and then I do have one other piece kind of for teachers and parents to think about. And that is, you know, also think about like we are big on class dojo or some type of where you can get some technical reinforcers. <laughs> I think that's important to remind. But I also think that, you know, it's one minute per age. So if it really is five-year-olds, they, they need to move every five minutes and stand up. I was saying, you know, run around your chair three times and sit down. Now what's three plus one is four. Um, so as teachers, be thinking about adding that movement and those breaks that you would have in there. But I, I think my big mantra as I've been working with teachers in some kickoff meetings with teachers and starting the school year, as I said, we've got to stop assuming online can't be like brick and mortar. So if you and I are co-teaching, we're co-teaching, whether it's brick and mortar or online. And so if we're co-teaching and I need to give you a voice, I need to give you a voice online. I can't say, okay, well, when we get to school, you know, Mrs. Hines will, Dr. Hines will have the same voice that she would have. And, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. And so I said, you know, if your behavior management system is really rigid, if your homework process is really rigid, it doesn't matter if I agree or disagree with you, what you're gonna do in brick and mortar, you need to do online. And because we 
we think there's going to be this ping pong match between online, offline, online, offline, who knows? I think it's even more important. But I think that consistency, it's always my favorite word um, in our brick and mortar and our online. And for families, I think, again, it goes back to that consistency. Think about what the routine is. Think about how long it is. Think about what you're going to do before. You know, if it's if you have that flexibility, and again, you and I don't have little children running behind us while we're trying to do this Zoom cast, so I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. But if you have little children, you know, if it's, if it's going to be at 10 o'clock, do you have the ability from 9.30 to 9.45 to let them run around uh, and make sure that there's not a structured time following a structured time? And I think it's that same routine you would use in school. I would try to be using at home um, in brick and mortar or online. So any last advice as we wrap up today, Beck? One piece of advice for teachers, have a moderator navigating your chat so they can provide that reinforcement and you don't have to stop instruction. So if you do have a co-teacher, take turns doing the instructional piece and, and moderating. Um, if you have a paraprofessional, coach them up a little bit on moderating. And that idea of saying really positive things to specific kids in the chat, and if you don't have either, I would probably try to think of a way to have kids who take turns moderating to say reinforcing things in the chat. Yeah, and I think it's the perfect time, as I say, to personalize and individualize technology. Make sure your students with disabilities have the voice to text, text to speech, whatever they need. We now know they have it in front of them. Now it's time to personalize it. So thanks for joining us for this opening of season three of Practical Access. Please send us a, um, anything you'd like on our Twitter account at Practical Access.